Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. Bibles to the book of 1st John, the first epistle of John, and uh, chapter 4 as we continue our study in the book of 1st John, letter of the Apostle John to Christians of the first century as well as throughout all of the history of the church and into the modern day. 1st John and chapter 4. We're going to look at the first 10 verses today, probably, if we uh, were able to get through all of them. <laughs> so beginning at uh, verse 1 in John, uh, 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, 
and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. But this we know, the spirit, or by this we know, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your great love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessed Lord Jesus who gave his life upon the cross, shedding his blood to pay the penalty for our sin. And as we study your word today, we pray that you be our teacher, that you speak to us. Father, we pray for each individual here and every family represented, and for those who listen by podcast or over the internet, for anyone who is without Jesus as Lord and Savior, that today they will come to know him as their personal Lord and Savior. And for those who are discouraged, we pray for encouragement. For those who are ill, we pray for healing. Father, we pray for your peace in each of our lives, and we recognize and acknowledge that we can only know that peace by knowing the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we study your word today, we pray that our hearts will be open and sensitive to hear your truth to the glory and to the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, giving thanks. Amen. Amen. And so as we look at this passage of scripture here, First point, false teaching isn't anything new. False teaching has been around for thousands of years. As a matter of fact, it's been around since the beginning of time. For there in the garden, Satan deceived Eve into believing that she could become the god of her own life. That's really what Satan was all about, and that is what he is still about. Now the Apostle, under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit, says here, do not believe every spirit have there for you. Do not believe. Do not believe false teaching. But how will you know if something is false? That's a question that every Christian ought to ask his or herself. How will you know if something is false? Well. Here in the scripture, as in the rest of the scripture, it makes it very plain. 
Now, you come across some people and they like to make things really complicated, all right? And usually they're making it very complicated so that they can confuse you. That is a strategy of the devil. Over in the book of Ephesians it says that we ought to be able to stand and we're to stand against the wilds or the, in, the, in the Greek it's really the strategies or stratagem of, of the devil. It's very crafty. Very deceptive. So we need to evaluate what we hear and, and to know that is to understand, to comprehend what we believe and what we know to be true. What we find in God's word is true. You must know the truth. Now Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Amen? Now, there are many false teachers and many false teachings. The devil is the author of confusion. The devil is the author of deception. The devil is a liar, and he's the father of lies. The devil will confuse and will catch you off guard in an effort to destroy you. Another name for the devil in the scripture is Abaddon, which means destroyer. It is the devil's desire to destroy the kingdom of God and to destroy God, but we know that that is not possible. But his desire is to destroy, to destroy the family. Now in the, in the Sunday school lesson this morning, the, the doctrine, the main doctrine that was emphasized was the fact that the family is the institution, the foundational institution of humanity or society. And what do we have today? The family is under attack. And there are all these different definitions of what makes a family. But God isn't confused about what makes a family. But the devil is working overtime to destroy the family, not just in America, but around the world. The devil is the destroyer. And he seeks to destroy you, your testimony, your family, your ministry, and your life. Make no mistake about it. The world, and when we use that term, the world, and when the, the scripture uses that term, it's referring to that heart attitude, that mindset that is in total rejection of God, that is at odds with God, that is at odds with everything that stands for what is right and moral and ethical and biblical. Now, the apostle goes on here. And he says in verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. As Christians, we have placed our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we acknowledge that he was born. Now, next month we're going to be celebrating the birth 
of Christ. Jesus was born as a human being. He was a man. A man. Born of the Virgin Mary. Over in the book of Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 it says, In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son to be born of a woman. Born under the law. And then uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There are those who ridicule the idea of a virgin giving birth to a child, to a baby. Oh, and they make jokes, and they criticize it, and they ridicule it, and they talk about how impossible it is. They've never read in the Bible where the Lord said, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen? Amen. Because our God is the God of the impossible. Jesus was a man, but he was also God the Son. Jesus is God the Son. Yes, he is the Son of God, but he is God the Son. He is God the Son. For God has revealed himself in three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God. Jesus is God the Son. Over in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, his name is given, Emmanuel. God with us, being interpreted, that word, Emmanuel, God with us, because he is God. And then I'd like for you to turn to John, the Gospel of John. Hold your place here in the Epistle of John, but turn to the Gospel of John and to chapter 20 as we read. And you'll recall that after the resurrection, after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples on several different uh, occasions. And on one of those occasions, Thomas was not there. And the, um, the, the response of Thomas was that unless he saw Jesus, that he would not uh, believe that he had risen from the dead. And the Lord Jesus Christ appears to, uh, to Thomas and he, he tells Thomas to basically to, to place his fingers into his, into his hand and his hand into, into his side. You recall the event. He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. But Thomas's response to the Lord Jesus was, my Lord and my God. Now, for a young Jewish man to acknowledge that an individual was God 
was most significant because they were always taught and still to this day that there is but one God and rightfully so. But to acknowledge that Jesus is God, Thomas had to go against the natural understanding or the natural tendency because they were taught that God existed in the heaven and that God is omnipresent by his spirit. But Jesus taught that he is the Son of God and that he is God the Son. And by his resurrection, he demonstrated this fact that he is deity. And Thomas's eyes, that is the eyes of his heart and of his soul, of his spirit, were opened and he acknowledged that Jesus is in fact Lord and God. Adonai Elohim. He is God. Back to the first epistle. Jesus is the God-man. Now, false teachers deny the deity of Jesus. False teachers deny the deity of Jesus. Cults and cult leaders, Confucius, Hinduism, Islam, the Muslims, all of them deny Christ. The Mormons, uh, the JWs, Hare Krishnas, and other pseudo-Christian groups, they all deny the deity of Christ. They all deny the, the truth that Jesus is God the Son, that he is the only Savior. And the idea that, that a man could also be God, to them is preposterous. And the Bible says the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation, both to the Jew and to the Gentile, to all people. Amen. But the cults deny the deity of Christ. See, Jesus Christ could have no earthly father because the sin nature would have been passed, you see. But Jesus, the Bible teaches, is without sin. For the Bible teaches it is impossible for God to sin. God will never do anything that is inconsistent with his nature. Jesus is the perfect son of God. The incarnation of Jesus Christ is a foundational doctrinal truth. And today, sadly, in so many denominations, they're teaching, well, you know, we've come a long way in our, our understanding, and we realize that, that there had to be some type of union for the egg in Mary to have been fertilized for her to be able to, to become pregnant and give birth to a child. They like to, to explain it using the scientific method, the natural order of things. And you have many people buying into that. And sadly, you have many preachers preaching that nonsense. That is, that is wickedness. It is, it is false. 
Because Jesus is the divine Son of God. He had no earthly father. His father is God the Father. And as we've mentioned before, the Holy Spirit came upon her and miraculously, by God's power, implanted within her the seed, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came into this world. And the false teachers deny him, and they deny the incarnation. And Wednesday we were talking about that word, incarnation, the Latin word carne, which means meat or flesh. The incarnation, God was in the flesh. He came into the world as a, as a man. He is the God-man. Now, in John's day, there, there were many different groups, as there are many different groups that teach so many different things today. But one group was referred to as, the, they were called the Gnostics. They supposedly had all this, this secret knowledge that no one else had. But they took this position that the flesh was evil. And so there were specific points in, in the life of Jesus when, when God the Spirit came upon him and when God the Spirit left him. Okay? They deny that he was in fact God. The Son, because in their understanding, a man could not be God and man. Now that's hard for us to understand, isn't it? <laughs> and anyone who tells you that they have God all figured out is lying to you. <laughs> because God is far beyond our comprehension. That's not a cop-out, that is the truth. God is beyond finding out. As a matter of fact, when we've been in heaven for a billion years, we still won't know everything about God. Because God is beyond finding out. Now, he goes on to say that we are overcomers. Now, we're overcomers when we yield to God the Holy Spirit and respond to Him in obedience. When a person has their eyes, the eyes of their soul, open, and they recognize that they are a sinner and that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior who died upon the cross, shedding his blood for their sin, and they then respond in obedience, confessing that they're a sinner and accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, God the Holy Spirit comes into that person's life, baptizing them into the family of God. And as they grow, as they serve the Lord, they become empowered for service. And we're all born to reproduce. That is, we're reborn to reproduce. We're Initially, we're born and uh, most of us get married. We have children. Some choose not to. But God has given us the ability to reproduce. But as Christians, we are to be reproducing other Christians by sharing the message of the gospel. And when we yield to God the Holy Spirit, then we are strong and victorious. Notice what he says. That we overcome 
because of he who is within us. For he who is in us is stronger, greater than he who is in the world. Jesus lives within the believer and gives us the victory. Who is in the world? Satan, the devil. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's called the, the god, little g-o-d, of this world. That is, of the world system, again, that is at odds with God. A few decades ago when I was at the gym, <laughs> these, these two guys were arguing. They were fussing. And um, the, the, the subject that they were talking about was whether or not the devil was the god of this world. And I happened to be on the bench just next to him. The guy turned to me and he said, isn't that right? Isn't that right? And I said, well, he said, oh, no, 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 well, either yes or no. I said, no. The answer is actually more complicated than that. Because many people have this mixed up. Yes, the Bible says that the devil is the god of this world. But when it, when it says that, it doesn't mean that he's the creator of the trees or of the mountains. It doesn't mean that he's the one who provides food to the animals or the seed to the sower. Jesus said that all those things are provided by God the Father. Isn't that right? And that it's God the Father who allows the sun to shine upon the just and the unjust, the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust, that he's the one who provides the seed to the sower, that he's the one who provides everything that we need to live. But yes, the devil is the God of the world that rejects the truth of God. This idea, this position, this attitude that is against God. Yes, he is the, the God of darkness, spiritual darkness. Spiritual blindness, confusion, and destruction. But Jesus is stronger. Jesus is wiser. Jesus is more powerful. And Jesus is undefeated. And undefeatable. And we are to live victorious Christian lives. And we're able to do so by the power of God the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells within us. Now notice that the world listens to its own lying voice every day. Every single day. And if you don't believe that there is a spirit of evil at work, all you have to do is turn your television on and listen to some of the news. Each and every day, 24 hours a day, continuously, continuously. The world tells you that they have all the answers. The world will tell you they know how you ought to live. They'll tell you that they have everything you need to make you happy. Just the right car, you know. Just the right kind of diet. Just the right kind of house or, well, you get the picture. There's a whole list of things. And we're so blessed here in America, aren't we? I was thinking just the other day, you know, they're talking about how things are going to be expensive at, uh, at Thanksgiving. Well, we bought a turkey about two months ago. 
and uh, and stuffing and all that other all that other everything was was bought in you know long ago. But then I, I I was sitting there at home and I got to thinking about the number of turkeys that will be cooked this week in celebration of Thanksgiving, just in our country alone. And then all of the potatoes, you know, the mashed potatoes, and then all of the gravy, and all of that other stuff, you know, the, the uh, string bean casserole, and, the, and uh, all, all of the desserts, and the pies, and, and my goodness, just across our country. And the amount of food that will be consumed on just that one day. But stop for a moment and, and, and consider right here in, in Las Vegas. Now, I don't know, are, are the buffets open again? Or I, I don't know if they're, they're closed, they're still closed. But you recall when the buffets were open, right? <laughs> you could go into any one of the hotels and go to a buffet. And my goodness, the amount of food consumed, not just one time a day, but you know there's the breakfast buffet. And then there's the lunch buffet. And then there's the dinner buffet. And then on Sunday they have the brunch buffet. <laughs> but the amount of food that is consumed, and God provides it all. And if we have so much, and then when we consider those in other countries who have so, so little, that the world will continue every day spreading the lie, especially here in America, that, that things are just so terrible. Now, behavior in America has, has really become terrible. Cheryl was just telling me this morning in a place called Walnut Creek, and there in the Bay Area, mm -hmm. where a group of 60, 70, People just went into the mall and started, they had the crowbars and hammers and, and things, and they went into a store and just started smashing, smashing and grabbing, and then running out, jumping into their cars and taking off. That's what defunding the police will get you. Make no mistake about it. Lawlessness, we read, is one of the signs of the end times. Make no mistake about it. And what's so crazy is that there are actually people who believe that they're going to be better off not having police. The world will listen to its own lying voice. We need police. Why? Because we're all sinners, that's why. And I'll bet, I'll just bet that at least one person may have broken the speed limit on their way to church today. <laughs> he might be standing up. <laughs> All right. You see, we, we really do need the police and the firefighters and the military and all the rest. And anyone who says that we don't is a false teacher. And they're playing into the devil's hand. 
Now we, he goes on to say, we listen to God and accept we know the truth. We know the truth. And we order our lives according to the word of God. As a Christian, there is a standard that we are to live by. And it is not the world's standard. Now again, in our Sunday school lesson, we learn that we are to be loving people. We ought to, to love people. We ought to demonstrate God's love for people. Now, the, the word that's used here in the Greek is the word agape. It means a sacrificial love. And in the Greek language, there are many different words that are used for love and many words that are used for love in the scripture. In the, in the Hebrew, there's a word that can be used for both love and grace at the same time, hesed, hesed. You see, because God loves us and, and, and by his love, he extends to us his grace. So if we were to define love, divine love, genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ results in a loving heart. If you are filled with, with hatred, that's not God's fault. If you have a tremendous amount of anger, that too is not God's fault. If you have a tremendous amount of wickedness in your life, that too is not God's fault. Because those things are not a part of God's nature. Now true, God thunders against sin. And God hates it, and we are to hate it as well. It costs the life of his son. But genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ results in a loving heart. Now, God is love. We just read that here. But not the other way around. Love is not God. Understand? Very important. There are many different definitions of love. But God is love. It is his nature to love and to give. Our God is a generous, loving God. Amen? But love is not God. Some people worship love. And they have all these different definitions of love. In the scripture, you have the word agape, as we mentioned a moment ago. The self-sacrificing love of God, who sent his son to die on our behalf. Then there is the word phileo in the Greek, which means a brotherly kind of love. It's also the kind of love that you have for your, your family members and close friends. And then the word storge for the, the mother who, who learns that she's pregnant, the woman who learns that she's pregnant and is going to be a mother, and she falls in love with that with that baby, a special, unique love. And then the other word, eros, which is refers to physical love, where we get the word erotic from in English. You see, all of these different, these different words for love. But the love that characterizes God is a self-sacrificing love. A love that keeps 
on loving. So let's read a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Now you hear that? Because the world likes to make this big deal about, you know, sending all of your money and all of the resources around the world to the poor. Yes, that's a good thing. But that's not the end. Notice he says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Ah, but what is love? From God's perspective, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You notice that? And then down to verse 13. And now abides faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. What is the nature of your love? What is the, the quality of your love? What is the limit of your love? Do you have a limit? Because God is unlimited in his love. Now, how did God demonstrate his love? He demonstrated his love by sending his son. And we know the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then God blesses us with the abundant love, joy, forgiveness, purpose, healing, true wealth. True wealth. In that song we sang, let the poor say, I am rich. We are rich. We have the treasure of heaven, the true wealth of heaven. And stop and consider where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. We're going to spend the rest of our lives in the celestial kingdom of God where gold is used to pave the streets. Today we pave the streets with asphalt. But in eternity, right, men and, and women, they, they hold on to the earthly treasures, gold, platinum, Bitcoin, whatever it is. That they, all right. But in heaven, the streets are going to be paved with gold. That is what we're going to, to walk on. Now that could be symbolic. But the point is, is that those things that, that humanity treasures are of little worth and they're temporal. But we have the true abundant life. Joy. 
joy. God's people are to be joyful. As we've said many times, it doesn't mean that we'll never suffer or experience pain or grief or difficulty or challenge. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God's grace is sufficient for us to meet every challenge of life. And by God's grace and by his spirit and as a result of the truth found in his word, we know the difference between what is false and what is true. Now this last point here, propitiation, defined. It means substitute, really, or expiation, or satisfaction. God's wrath against sin was satisfied. The penalty that had to be paid for sin. You see, sin is a crime in God's universe. And God is sovereign in his universe. And when sin occurs, a payment must be made. Now, those people who, who did the, the, uh, the, the smash and grab thing this morning, they're going to pay. They will pay. See, now, there are those who think they can do all this stuff and they get away with it. You don't get away with anything. Now, they can come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior and be forgiven. But you know, we don't get away with anything. When we talk about breaking the commandments, actually we break ourselves against the commandments. We break our lives. So God's wrath against sin was satisfied at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me leave you with this, this little illustration. I, I heard this and I thought, oh, that's so powerful. You know, you've seen the, uh, the balances of, of justice, right? Mm -hmm. And so usually people think, well, I hope, you know, my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds. No, that, that's an incorrect picture. Mm -hmm. You see, because... On the one side, all of the bad deeds and all of the good deeds are placed for the Christian, for the believer. And on the other side, God places himself. You follow? His mercy. His mercy. His standard of justice, but his mercy. And it completely and totally outweighs everything in our lives. When we come to him, he forgives us 100%. Jesus' death upon the cross paid the penalty for our sin 100%. You, we, all those who place their faith in Christ are completely 100% forgiven. The devil wants you to believe that you are the most terrible Christian who ever lived. Because when you begin to pray, all these thoughts come into your head, don't you? You think some things. 
or you say some things, or you do some things, and then what does the devil do? And you call yourself a Christian. You call yourself a Christian, and you did that? And see, here's the strategy. So he tempts you to do something. If you yield to God the Holy Spirit, you overcome. But if you yield to the evil one, you fall and you sin. And then what does the devil do? Don't you feel terrible about it? He points that finger. Don't you feel terrible about it? And you call yourself a Christian. And you're a this and you're a that. You're a, you're a Sunday school teacher. You're a, you're a deacon. You're so-and-so's wife or this or husband, etc., etc. You're this, you're that. And beats up on you. Isn't that true? And we beat up on ourselves. But Jesus is the propitiation. He's the, the substitute. He's the one who satisfied the requirement. He satisfied the wrath of God and he did so 100%. You, if you know Christ as your Savior, are forgiven. And God wants you to live a life of abundance. Abundance in joy in knowing Him. As we mentioned, Jesus taught, if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. And what are you free to do? You're free to be the person that God intended you to be. And he loves you. So give your heart, your life, your past, your present, and your future to the Lord Jesus Christ today and be forgiven, restored, and saved. God promises his paradise for those who love him. We're going to sing it. A hymn here. It's a different one. It's the doxology. Because we're celebrating Thanksgiving this week. And we have so much to be thankful for. Not only do we have abundance of food, but how about the abundance of God's love and grace in each of our lives. The abundance of his forgiveness. Remember, you are forgiven. You're forgiven. The devil wants you to be discouraged and defeated and, and weak. God wants you to be full of joy, power, his power. And to live the abundant life, that is so much to be thankful for. So let's stand and let's sing. And maybe you're here today and you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior. You can come to know him today. Step out. Come down the aisle. Give your heart and your life to him as we sing. Go ahead, give me the first chord. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.